On paper, you'd think this was going to be one hell of a train wreck. But then you listen, and you realize common sense doesn't have a party, an ideology, a stereotype, or a color. Can we be united again? Stick around, and we'll prove it. This is Doc in the Block. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Doc in the Block podcast. I'm sitting here with the world's greatest music producer, Big Block Spencer. How you doing, well, Block? Well, I wish you, baby. And I'm sitting right here with my, with my big brother, Scott, the number one orthopedic surgeon in the world. How you doing, baby? I'm doing good, man. You've been you've been traveling a lot. I haven't yeah. seen you in the last couple of weeks. What have you been up to? Yeah, you know, I'm just rebuilding hip hop block by block and going to different cities. I just did a deal with Dr. Dre. So we got an artist going on. We did a big video uh, in in, in uh, LA. It came out pretty good. That's awesome, yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah. My daughter's uh, stuff still moving oh, along. Moving She's great, killing man. it. You know, two videos coming soon. Two videos probably within the next two weeks. Yeah. And we can get the time to do it. It's going good, though. Last night, they have the Schuler Awards yeah. in Georgia, which is kind of like uh, the, the Academy Awards yeah, for, yeah. for kids in, in the state of Georgia, and she was doing yeah, that. Yeah, big time. That big time yeah, right there. Yeah. yeah. Hugh Jackman uh, came in to give them all a shout-out yeah. and uh, some other people that were on Broadway that used to be through the program here. So it was a big deal. They got all dressed up. And okay. Just like being at the Academy Awards. So I didn't get home till late last night. So, listen, folks, today we have uh, – the most amazing guest, Gianno yeah. Caldwell. You guys know him from Fox News. Uh, he's written books. He does his own podcast called Out Loud with Gianno Caldwell. Uh, he is a true big timer. This is yeah. a man, self-made, yeah. um, that's got a lot to uh, to show us, and there's a lot we can learn from him. Gianno, thank you so much for being a part of the Doc in the Block podcast thank today. Thank you for having me. So, Gianno, we want to jump right into this, uh, you know, our target audience is middle school kids. You know, there's a lot of young people out there that are facing struggles in the world. And we're always trying to explain to them, you know, keep your head down, work hard, honesty, integrity, accountability, and just keep moving forward in the world where change. Nobody's better able to speak to this than you grew up with eight siblings, uh, South side of Chicago, uh, poor, uh, exposed to the gangs, the drugs, all that stuff. Your mother, uh, uh, was uh, addicted to drugs. Um, how did you get through all that? Tell us your story. Well, <clears throat> that's a, a really good question. If I were to take you way, way back um, and just to give a synopsis of my life, I think you mentioned some of it here. Extremely poor, lights, gas, and water off at the same time. Mom addicted to crack cocaine. I was um, blessed, though, to be able to see my father every weekend. He would pick me up on Fridays, take me to his parents' house where we would do catfish and spaghetti on the south side of Chicago. And on Saturdays, my grandfather, a small business owner, plumbing construction business, would take me to work with him and he would pay me $10 a day to hold the flashlight, hand tools. And what really changed in my life um, after having those experiences of living in the projects and my mom giving over temporary custody of me and my siblings to her mom while she went to go uh, be rehabilitated. One particular Saturday, my grandfather and I were riding through an area of Chicago called Inglewood, which is one of the hardest hit areas in terms of the gangs and violence. And as I'm looking out of my window, to my right, I see a lady drugged up, look very beat down. And I began to tear up because I saw my mother. And as we're riding by because my grandfather's a really tough guy. He's not one that want to see any, you know, any young man cry, especially not his grandson. 
he notices and he says in his very southern voice, what's wrong with you, boy? And as we're riding by, I realize that this lady wasn't my mother, but it certainly could have been her. I say, this lady, what can I do to prevent this from happening? And he begins to tell me about the elected officials, the power to increase the penalty law for those who sell and distribute drugs, and how they can provide grant funding for those who want to be rehabilitated. So I decided at that point, I wanted to be an elected official. Soon after I started volunteering for my local alderman at the age of 14, every day after school, it was a job that then led to an internship with our office and an internship with another government agency. And at the age of 16, I started working for the federal government part-time. And I was there every day after school, um, 25 hours a week, 40 hours in the summers and winters, earning a living downtown Chicago. And it was something that was impressed upon me, my life of getting into politics, policy, government, was that I could actually help people, but selfishly, my intention was really to help my mother. So that's what I wanted to do. And it allowed for me to bring an income in for my family, which desperately needed it as we won every government assistance program you can imagine. Um, but those those values that you earlier on, hard work, integrity, um, those values are seemingly fleeting in our society today. There's a lot of young folks who do see Instagram and social media as this outlet to supersize your life right away, not put in work and effort, but to pretend to be something and allow your emotions to dial into such imagery that you try to fake it till you make it, but you ultimately don't make it because you don't have the values in which you can really extrapolate the potential that God has given you, that you can really build out a future that's truly meant for you. Too many people following versus trying to lead and be themselves. So I'm I'm really intrigued by this conversation. You know, it's interesting. Uh, every time uh, I know these things to be true, you know, my father taught me, uh, you know, about about values and principles, and my grandfather was like that a lot too, where they would always kind of point out, you know, being um, having integrity. My dad was so big about that. You know, it's like if you ever heard me boasting about things, you know, he'd be the first one to say, "Hey, listen, man, the mm. people who are really tough, the ones who are really good, they let other people do the talking." You know, he would always like, "Don't get so full of yourself." You know, you you got to humble yourself. Uh, the other thing is. My mother and father used to teach me the best way to get things in life is to give first. And I find it uh, interesting. You're, you know, you are so successful and you're still such a young person. Um, and you started off by volunteering for your alderman. And uh, I mean, that's just kind of a common theme here is you went out, you were trying to do the right thing. You were trying to give, not really thinking about yourself um, in the long run, but yet that volunteer uh, led to other opportunities. Tell me a little bit about that. You know, the volunteering, again, I, I wanted to know the process of how government worked. I wanted to know how politics worked. And interestingly enough, um, as I began to work in this particular space and expand in my life, I remember uh, when I was about 13 years old, even the earlier years of my 14 before I started volunteering, I would hang out with the guys in the neighborhood um, really one or two guys in particular and do drugs. I didn't drink. I wasn't gangs. We would hang out at the bus stop because we would wait after school for the girls to get off the bus so we can try to talk to the girls at the bus stop. Like that was the only thing that I 
that I would do. That was my only <laughs> commonality with the guys because I didn't do a lot of the things that they were doing and I wasn't interested in doing those things. So I, I just recall as I decided to get involved in this political beast known as Chicago politics, how the young people, my friends, my peers, they would make fun of me and say, dude, you're, you're going to this office every day after school. You don't have time to hang out with us and you're not even getting paid to do this stuff. But it really, though, developed and cultivated something in my life that I think got me to where I am today. I mean, even when I started working for the federal government years later, like two, three years later, I bought a multi-unit apartment building at 19 without any family assistance help or even their knowledge. What I think part of the trajectory for me was my grandfather, who was a strong man, businessman, fairly conservative, even though he was politically Democrat. He often talked about, you know, overtaxation, could run him out of business. Um, he talked about immigration issues that impacted his business. And then um, my pastor, Pastor Bill Winston, who's a, a major church pastor in Chicago or rather around the world, a 20,000 member church who often would say to the congregation, you don't need to rely on the government to take care of you. God is supposed to take care of you. He'll give you ideas. He'll give you um, inventions. He'll give you, put a book in you. He'll do this, that, and the other. And he'll bring you to your destiny. It was language that I'd never really heard in the community in which I grew up in, which was really a poverty-stricken area where there wasn't a lot of hope. There wasn't a lot of inspiration. Um, I was able to draw inspiration from meeting up with this elected official who was helpful to me, but I that there was nothing else. So when young people are looking around in their communities, especially in places like Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, these major cities where you do need help, where you do need inspiration, where you need those individuals to draw on, there seemingly isn't enough of those kind of people that are willing to mentor, go into those communities that are under siege, um, those, those communities where there isn't a lot of help, like hope rather, um, and go in and say, look, let me let me help because there's a lot of people who want it. I'm not referring to the people who may not have any interest in it, but people who want it. And I think as um, as we are all adults now, you guys are very successful in your own roles. And thank you for developing this podcast because it's, it's necessary. We got to get out there. We got to be the demonstration of good inspiration, integrity, hard work and actually take it to them. And I think that's really helpful as we bring people bring people up in this world. Hey, you know, I'm from, um, like my aunt, man, she, she grew up in the South side of Chicago. Um, your aunt. Yeah. Uh, uh, in the hundreds. Okay. Wild hundreds. <laughs> yeah. The wild hundreds. Right. So, yeah. Um, you know, I came in a couple of times. I'm from, um, you know, born in Atlanta, you know, raised in LA. And, um, and, and, and it's kind of like the twist of, of you and I, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of the same, but, you know, you come up and you really want to help the hood and you really want to help the kids. Um, do, um, do you think your faith brought that on or your experience through your mom brought that on? First, that's the first. I think it was twofold. Yeah. That's an excellent question, by the way. That, that, that is twofold. So first, my intention was simply to help my mom. I, I, I consider it a selfish intention because my mom... When she got on drugs, my, she gave over temporary custody of me and my siblings to my grandmother, who was a private duty nurse at the time. So she was making money initially. And then one day she pulls out the garage, a drunk driver hits her, injures her back. She no longer work, went on every government assistance program. She loses her house to foreclosure, et cetera. I wanted to 
help my mom because my mom needed to come back into the fold to yes. take care of us. So that was my thought. But then it began to expand out as I started doing work. And then when I went to this new church mm-hmm. at 18, Pastor Bill Winston, that's when it was almost like a supernatural, yeah. uh, if you will, like a spiritual essence that took my mind in a totally different direction. You, we can talk about being examples, and I think that's incredibly important. But when you hear specifically from a yeah. person, you can do it. And they, they understand, you know, say, for example, a young person today, and you understand the, the dynamics that they've been in. And you tell them, despite all of those things that they experience, that you believe that they can do it. That is a transformational moment for young people, a person that they're looking up to, looking up to you. Like you're, you're a super producer and, you know, there's a lot of kids rap. They want to get involved in music and you, your words are so valuable, so uh, impactful that you can tell a young person, you know what? I believe it's possible for you to do it and they can change their whole life. Just one moment can change their whole life. And I personally believe, and I personally have experienced one word from God can change a person's entire life. It can change their being. It can change the direction of where they come from, the foundation, because ultimately nothing can stop you but you. But with you and God teaming up together, there's no stopping. Absolutely. It just can't happen. And that, that kind of belief system, I think, has been lost in the world. You see it among like some of the very, very successful people. I use somebody like Kanye West. Us as an example, mm-hmm. may not agree with you know his politics or some of the things he, he, he said as of late. Folks may not agree with those things. That's fine. But yeah. one thing you know about Kanye, despite all his yeah. antics and the things that he does, the one that can't tell you that Kanye West don't believe in Kanye West. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's his biggest cheerleader. No matter he what you think that. about Kanye West. Yeah, yeah. I was so talking about. Saying. I always talk about the journey of my own life that early on I had to trust my father when he said, Hey, listen, you had a setback, put your head down, keep working. Good things come to people who work hard. I I had to trust them. I didn't know that to be true. And then as I got older and I started to see like that actually does happen now, I just know it for a fact. So I have troubles in my life. You know, I know what to do, you know, put your head down, pray, go to the Bible. I mean, I, I came to religion late in life and, and because I was in medicine and I saw, you know, what they, what they termed the unsolvable problem. And you got a 20 year old kid with terminal brain cancer. It's not a solvable problem. How do you get through it? There's only one way and it's the word of God and, and faith in God. Yeah. And so I went back to the Bible late in life and the answers to all your questions are in That's there. It. You know, everything, yeah. every piece of wisdom that you ever heard, you know, um, Abraham Lincoln's speeches, when you go look at them, all he did was take the Bible and put it into political speak. And we look at him and we go, wow, he's the greatest order of our time. When I look at obstacles, you know, I hear people talk to me about, well, you're so lucky. And I always laugh like, yo, yeah, I'm so lucky. Like, you know, I applied to medical school five times. You know, I had to learn how to read. I had to go back to grad school you know, after I graduated college, cause I didn't have what it takes to get into med school. And I just had, you know, I had to start at ground zero and, you know, I put the work in. And, uh, so, you know, good luck is when hard work meets opportunity. You know, uh, the other thing is you want to think about obstacles. I just finished reading Frederick Douglass's mm. biography. Frederick Douglass was actually a slave and he was a millionaire in his lifetime back when a million dollars was actually real money. And I'm thinking to myself, who's got more obstacles than that? You know, uh, I mean, 
understanding that, you know, you put the time in, you, you, you wake up every day. You know, I look in the mirror and I say, God, show me the way, tell me what I'm supposed to do. Help me because I'm already starting to think about myself. You know what I mean? It doesn't take very long. What about me? What about me? And you have to be reminded it isn't about you. It's about what God wants for you. And then you start going in and you, you have that first interaction with somebody, do the right thing, you know, be generous, be kind. And then all of a sudden things start to change uh, and an opportunity presents itself. Here you are, you got eight siblings. Where were you in the, in the number there? Well, well, Oldest, first, youngest well, the- well first, of, first of all, Doug, I got to tell you, you and I, we have to be friends because when you say uh, back when a million dollars was real money, I mean, I need to. I mean, yeah. <laughs> if that's not yeah. real money, I mean, I, I need to you send the PJ over. Like, let's go. Like, let's go. Uh, uh, I'm actually second oldest in, in my, my family. Uh, there's. It was a total of, of nine of us is now eight living uh, because my younger baby brother, Christian, was murdered, unfortunately, last year, June last year. So it's um, we, we were raised up as a very close knit family, um, especially among our siblings. We were very, very close, uh, but their lives do look much different than mine does. And, you know, there's there's all these questions because I know we're going to talk about Christian at, at um, some point in this interview. But there there is questions about, you know, nature versus nurture. Um, I know you talked a little bit about luck. I don't really believe in luck. I believe in God's favor personally, um, which could amen because God's favor is consistent. That That is luck is, oh, maybe I'll get it one day. Maybe I'll, yeah. oh, I gotta, you know. You know, possibly hope for something to happen, but favor is in the book. Like you mentioned, every example, every problem that you have, there's an answer in the book. The solutions are always there. In the Bible. Yeah. So yeah. as um, I came up in this very large, large family, which was a uh, tight knit, I just kind of look at some of the decisions folks made. And sometimes I do ask myself, you know, was I chosen? Like, what, what, you know, why does my life look so much differently than even others in my family? And the truth of the matter is we all have in us this, this hidden ability. Uh, we simply call it in the world potential. It's hidden ability. And what often brings out your potential is work. You're getting involved in the, in, in the work. So, for example, as you mentioned, you applied to medical school five times. You went back to grad school. You learned how to read in a way that was comprehensive to the work in which you're doing now. And now as a result of that, this hidden ability that was in you now is being exposed and you work as a doctor and now a podcast host. So a media, a media person, um, you know, and I love to talk uh, about, about the rap game because I actually rap myself. No, I'm kidding. But, uh, <laughs> but, but seriously, though, like these, these, these moments in which you guys have pulled out. And there's so many other people with potential that don't even develop it. They never develop it because they don't really get to know themselves. To be in a position to inspire, to do all these things, because everyone's looking for instant viral success. And it's, it's really created a culture where people are lazy in a, in a lot of cases. They don't want to put in the work or effort. And I'm sure you see this as a producer, too. Like people, hey, I want to I want, I want to rap. I want to come yeah, in. It's every day. It's like, okay, so what, what's your yep. following like? Uh, do you have a SoundCloud? Do you have no? I don't have mm-hmm. any of that. But you work with famous people, so make me famous. Like that, that's <laughs> that, that's that's what we're seeing. Yeah. 
every, every yeah, day, right, every, every day. day. So it's like, okay, yep. who wants that? In the work now, now we got to really begin to reteach a generation who's who's lost their way. Hey, you know, um, I came for the gang land from uh, L.A. Uh, and um, and one of the reasons I got into the music business, I kind of, I kind of like favor. It's it's kind of like favor too. It's kind of like it's, it's it's been to me since I was like in middle school. When I was kind of like managing the the, the, yeah. the rappers in the bathroom. We used to beatbox in the bathroom and, and table stuff like that. And um, so one day I end up um, going to a nail salon, and I end up meeting this this Asian girl that was doing Tupac's sister's nails. And she was like, "You're black. Mm. You ever heard of Tupac?" And this was his in Juice days. I like, yeah, I heard of him. She was like, yeah, this is sister. So we got introduced in Atlanta, and um, and um, at this you time, you Tupac. Well, Tupac's sister at this time. Okay, you get okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, get a nail tech. She introduced me to Tupac's sister. Right, so right. Like, yeah, so they were new to Atlanta, had just moved to Atlanta, but Tupac was in LA in jail. That's when he got into it with the film director. You know, he went to jail for like 40 days, something like that. But then he moved to Atlanta. So she introduced us. So I started running with Tupac. So, so I kind of like managed him and the outlaws, you know, you know, at the time from 94 to 96. And, um, and one of the reasons that I, I mean, one of the, one of the things that got me into the music business, was because I wanted to invest in something that my daughter had like a three year old daughter at this time. So what I didn't want to go to school on career day and say, yeah, I have a car wise, which was nothing bad about this, but you know, everybody in the hood, you know, everybody in the hood, they go get a, a, a car wise, they go get a lawnmower service, but I just want to do something, you know, you know, a little bit more that, you know, that was creative. What kind of, what kept you out of gangs and drugs at this time when you was coming up? Because that's what kept me out of gangs and drugs. You know, to come my daughter, that I had a way, you know, you know, like an outlet. Like, what kept you out of that? You ask very compelling questions yep. in a very unique way. <laughs> like, you like, you like, you're, you're great at this. Like, yeah. very compelling. Like, wow, okay. So, what kept me out of gangs? I think was a, a couple different things. One. I had the relationship or rather grew up with my dad picking me up on the weekends and taking me to my grandfather's house. I've never been. My granddad told me when I was young and he only whooped me one time. So yeah. I, like I had literal fear of God in me from him. Cause yeah. he's like, it's just me such too, a though. manly. Yeah. Right, exactly. So that's all yeah. you need is the one time. And he's he's a manly man from the South. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like such an alpha male. Yeah. So, I remember one time I came to the house and, you know, I never got involved in the gangs or any of that kind of stuff. But he told me, if you come in here with your pants hanging, your, you know what, mm-hmm. off your butt, I'm going to kick your, you know what. So I'm like, yeah, you know what, it's, it's not, uh, <laughs> not worth it. My, I had to figure out with my grandfather. And then my older brother, too, who was actually involved in the gang, he was the one who, was, who would tell me that it was nothing out there. And, and those kind of things, but I really believe it was the relationship with my grandfather and my father that really helped me because my grandfather, who would go and do these jobs and he would be making thousands of dollars on these jobs and then he would go cash his check from the job yep. and he'd have a stack of money in his hand mm-hmm. and he always showed me where his money came from. He would take me downtown to Nordstrom, he would take me to Burberry where he's buying $2,000 worth of shirts and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So I had an opportunity to see that 
um, up close and personal and how I desire to want to work for myself. So I can one day have that kind of life where I can go out and buy what I want and do what I want. I was able to see how it was earned. So seeing these guys yeah. on the corner getting killed and then you're not making yeah. any money <laughs> to, to put, what, what's, yeah. there's no point in doing that. That seems like a lost cause to me. But, you know, they made that life so glamorous now that people who don't see any other ways out, that's the only option that they're taking. And that, that becomes a problem in and of itself. You know, and that's what we want to show these kids yeah. is, is there is another way, you know, and it's interesting to me, the paths to success, you know, if you have uh, role models in your life, you know, whether it be a father, a grandmother, a mother, somebody to kind of be your rock, your anchor, keep you moored in, in, in the right things, you know, stay away from drugs, treat people right, that kind of stuff. And, and, and to pick you up when you fall down, you know, you go out and you, you know, you do some, you try to make the team and you didn't make the team or, you know, you wanted to get into school and you didn't get into school or, you know, you didn't get something, something doesn't go your way. And somebody just say, Hey, listen, keep working hard. Things will eventually break away. That's so important for these kids. The other thing is I remember every time I hear this concept of class, like what class you're in, it's like, I never thought of myself in a class when I was young, I was poor. I mean, and when I say poor, like I had a middle class upbringing. My dad was a naval officer. My mom was a nurse. We had, I had two brothers. And so, you know, we had, Bro, I'm I, saying, I'm listening you know, to I never lived there. without I electricity. Or without, yeah, no, I never lived without water. But, but, no, no. But what I'm saying is my parents cut me off at some point and I had nothing and it was just up to me to do it. And I thought of myself not in a different class. I just thought of myself at the beginning. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then I went out and I just developed myself and I, I tried to be better. I tried to get education. I tried to find something I enjoyed doing to make a living. My father made that very clear to me. You're going to be spending most of the rest of your life at work. So find something you love to do. And then that way, nobody will ever be able to outwork you because you won't be working. And that that's what I did. And, uh, you know, and now now things have worked out. And that's Kids need to be able to see that from the beginning, that there is a path forward. You know, read your Bible, have faith, honesty, integrity, respect. accountability, respect. Do what you say you're going to do. And then, you know, it's not what you want. It's what God wants for you. So pray and wait for it. I mean, I want to, you know, we always talk about this too. I wanted to be a professional soccer player and it didn't work out. But all the work I did towards that, I eventually just translated into becoming a doctor and it worked out. And you know, when we talk to people like yourself and anybody successful, it's always kind of the same story. It's struggles, you know, it's persistence, it's doing the right things, and eventually they get their break. Talk to me a little bit about the times when you had doubt. You know, you, you were trying to go in a certain direction, you had a goal, and it didn't work out, and you had to say, okay, I'm not going to quit, I'm going to keep trying. What did that look like for well, you? So, two folks, I, I want to answer your question, and also, uh, I'm listening to what, what you were saying articulating how you grew up. There's people, as, as you guys are reaching the audience, there's going to be black kids that are really poor. There's going to be white kids that are really poor. There's going to be, as you grew up, poor. There's levels to that poverty, quote unquote, may look like. Um, so you, even though your dad told you, hey, uh, you got to work and I'm cutting you off. He's still in the background. If something really goes awry, you can always go to him and you can get along and you can and all of that. There's a lot of people who don't necessarily have that 
to kind of lean back on. So you're starting from the from the beginning different than a lot of other people. So we all have like you know, no matter what color you are and how really poverty stricken your life might have been, we all have our own versions of what life looked like in the struggle. And, you know, we, we all come from just different places. So it's always reaching that audience that people who are listening is going to look different. And that's why it's so important that you guys have this podcast because your life and what struggle look like to you is much different um, than your colleagues' life and what look look like, you know, like growing up in Atlanta and all that other stuff like Los Angeles. That's actually the principal foundation of the Doc and the Block podcast is we're trying to show kids there's all kinds of struggle out there. Exactly. My struggle's not my struggle's not block struggle, but you know, my mom was uh had bipolar disorder and she just passed last month. I'm so sorry. And I spent uh, you know, I appreciate that, but I it's you know, God is making a lesson here for I loved my mother. My mother was good for for my brothers and me in a lot of ways. Um, but she had a lot of holes in her game, you know, and there was a lot of painful times in my life. And I can just remember praying my whole life. I wish I could make mom better. I wish I could make mom better. I remember going to med school and learning about bipolar disorder and just like, this is painful. And also a realization, there are other people out there struggling. At the time I was growing up, I thought my mom was the only one who had bipolar disorder. And, and when I got to medical school, I realized it's a pretty common problem. And, you know, I'm thinking, wow, there's a lot of other people that are hurting in the way I was hurting and suffering in the way I was suffering and having those struggles. You know, I think about my father was in his thirties. He's a Naval officer. He has to leave and he's got three kids. And then my mom, you know, is struggling. And, uh, there, there were so many experiences in my life. I can remember one time, uh, I, my, I was late with a, with a, um, a project I had for French class. So my mom brought the, the project in because uh, it was making parfaits. It had to freeze. So she comes into the classroom and I remember she brought them in and she took over the class. And it was the most embarrassing experience in my life to have my, my bipolar mother kind of up there taking over the class and everything. It's so profound. I mean, you know, how many years yeah. later, I still remember it. And um, the point being is, Everybody's got a cross to bear. Everybody has yeah. a struggle in their own ways. And yeah, nobody nobody is it. unique. What what is important to note is nobody uh has just an easy path. I mean, nobody just everything works out for them. And so this concept of like, well, I can't achieve because the the deck is stacked against me. We got to get rid of that. That's our hashtag. No excuses. No matter what you're going through, other people are going through it first or going through it uh, as well. And everybody's got their own struggles. And that's what we want to do on this show is introduce them to people like yourself and others that have struggles where a kid can look and go, hey, I, I have that problem too, or I have that obstacle. And look how, how that person resolved it. I could do that too. All right. For all our listeners out there, we had a lot of great material from Gianna Caldwell. He was such a special guest. Mm -hmm. And we want to give you guys a little more information. We're going to have an additional segment next week on our podcast where he talks about the loss of his brother to gang violence and also has some advice for you guys. So tune in next week while we follow up some more with Gianno Caldwell. Thanks for being here, everybody. Make sure you sure. make sure you follow us on the doc and the block.com and mm -hmm. big Tune in next week for another episode of the doc and the block Yep. block. Have a great weekend. It's great seeing you brother. Same here, baby. Love you, baby. All right. We'll see you guys next time, everybody. Have a great weekend.